Well, thank you, Brother Whiteside, and I appreciate uh, the invitation. And it's really, honestly, a joy to be back. And, of course, I love your pastor and Bernie and just the always the sweet fellowship that we've enjoyed together. And I think it says, I don't know, uh, I think it says a lot about your pastor that... He's just the same person I knew years ago. Uh, you haven't changed, brother. I mean, you still love the Lord. You're still faithful and still sticking by the stuff. And that's... <laughs> but you know, then you become more dependent on the Lord. And that's... I think sometimes he shows us our frailties and just the... The fact that we're so human, and that which is a, such a reminder that we always need Him, uh, no matter what. But anyway, it's a joy to stand before you and uh, to be able to be a part of your special day. I praise the Lord for 65 years, and as your pastor told me, it's been almost half of your ministry here, that, uh, which is the age, almost half the age of the church. So, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to kind of give just a little background of the lesson that I want to bring to you this morning. Our theme back in Augusta, Georgia for Westside Baptist for 2023 is believe God. And, you know, a lot of times we, we, we talk about believing in God, and certainly that's where you have to begin. Uh, but believing in God should really be a, the first, has to be the first step, though, in believing God. And what I want to see for our folk is not only that they have their, they, they believe in God, but they believe God's word after they believe in God. Does that, does that make sense? In other words, you grow in your faith, in your knowledge of who God is. And one of these, so what we've done this year is gone, we've gone through the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, looking at the different heroes of the faith. And this morning I want for our lesson to look at Abraham. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And I'd like to read beginning with verse 8, then we'll read verse 9, and then you read with me, or quote with me, verse 10. So Hebrews chapter 11, and let's begin, let me read verse 8 and 9, and then together let's read verse 10. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which should after receive for an inheritance, what's the next word? He obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. And then verse 10, together, for he looked for a city 
which have foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The Burj Khalifa is the tallest building in the world. This $1.5 billion building in Dubai stands 2,717 feet in the air. It has 163 floors. If you, just to put things in perspective, the Empire State Building in New York, uh, including the antenna, is about 14, a little over 1,400 feet tall. So you're talking, when you talk about the height of the Burj Khalifa, you're talking about two Empire State Buildings. And so, you know, it's... It's, it's, a, it's a very tall building. Its chief architect, Adrian Smith, said the building's design was not limited by, by known solutions. In other words, there was no glass ceiling when conceiving what this building could become. And really, there's no other structure like it in the world. I personally have not been to Dubai but I have seen many or numbers of pictures of the Burj Khalifa, and they're really, I mean, it is unique in every way. Now, if any of you are interested, you can buy a studio apartment there for 544000 Or if that's not big enough, you can get a penthouse, a four to five bedroom penthouse for $27 million. Um, I just want to tell you right up front, that's out of my price range. (laughs) Now let's contrast this opulent living with dwelling in a tent. And you can choose from four different types of tents. You have a pyramid tent, a hoop tent, a dome tent, and an A-frame tent. They say the best... Two-person camping tent is the North Face Storm Break Tent. Now, tents can range from, and maybe if you live out in California where you're talking about a little bit more, but from $50 to $1,700. Well, in today's message, I want us to see that God asked one man to live not in a permanent penthouse, but rather in a temporary tent. What would this man's response be to this question? And why? Would he be obedient to what God was asking him to do? Well, let's pray. Father, I pray that from our look at Abraham, that we will be like him, that truly we will believe you in Jesus' name. Amen. One author writes, without any doubt, Abraham is the greatest example of faith in the Bible. And we read of his, his life of faith in Genesis chapter 12, verse 25. I mean, that's a huge chunk in the book of Genesis. Abraham's faith was so celebrated in the Old Testament that the Levitical prayer of of confession found in Nehemiah chapter 9 
extolled God and applauded this patriarch's faith. And the verses go like this. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham, brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees, and named him Abraham. Notice the next statement. You found his heart faithful to you. You found his heart faithful to you. What a, what, a, what a testimony. The New Testament also holds Abraham up as the greatest example of faith. Listen to what Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7 tell us. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of of Abraham. James adds that because of Abraham's faith in God, he was called, think about this, the friend of God. Because of his faith, he was called the friend of God. I say, what a beautiful friend. What a beautiful title. Friends, <laughs> faith in God makes you a friend of God. And all of us say, God can call me his friend. Faith in God makes you a friend of God. Well, because of the greatness of Abraham's faith, we can learn much from studying his life of faith. And this morning, I want us to discover that a life of faith, first of all, and we have two points in our lesson, obeys. It goes where God leads. And secondly, a life of faith sojourns because it has an eternal perspective. First of all, a life of faith obeys. And what did God ask Abraham to do? And what then did Abraham obediently do? Well, verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called <clears throat> to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance. What's the next word again? He obeyed. When God asked Abraham to leave his home, to go to a place which he did not know of, he obeyed. Friends, faith obeys. The Greek used here when he was called is a present participle which can be translated when he was being called. Which literally tells us while God's command was still ringing in his ears. As soon as he understood what God was asking him to do, he started packing his U-Haul. He said, I'm out of here. I'm gone. Friends, in the face of leaving the homeland and bidding a final goodbye to family and friends, Abraham was quick to obey. No delay. 
And what an, what's amazing about his obedient faith is that verse 8 tells us he went out not knowing where he was even going. His heart was, Lord, I don't know where this journey is taking me, but where you lead me, I will what? I will follow. Faith obeys. Friends, you can tell how strong your faith is in the living God by how obedient you are to God. Honestly, it was not until later that his destination was revealed to be the land of Canaan. Now, what kind of place did Abraham leave? Well, his native city was Ur of the Chaldea, located in Mesopotamia between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. And this place was a fertile land. And uh, it was also culturally advanced. It was where the Garden of Eden had been. And, and it uh, <clears throat> was some 140 miles where the great city of Babylon would one day be built. <clears throat> so Abraham wasn't leading, leaving some barren, backward, unproductive place. It was a flourishing country. But it was also an idolatrous and godless place. Ur was dominated by a massive three-stage ziggurat that honored the god Nemu, the moon god. And horrors of human sacrifices were a part of its worship. And so Ur, as advanced as it was, it boasted of an elaborate system of writing, sophisticated mathematical calculations, Educational facilities, extensive business and religious records was nevertheless in the bonds of darkest paganism. But once God revealed himself to Abraham and spoke to him, commanding him to leave, to leave her, Abraham listened, Abraham trusted, and Abraham obeyed. You know, the problem with so much of Christianity today is it doesn't even listen. It doesn't even hear when God is trying to speak. That's where faith has to begin. You have to be able to say, Lord, I have ears to hear. Talk to me. Tell me what you want me to do. I believe you. I not only believe in you, but I believe you. Please tell me what you want me to do. You have ears to hear. And then after the Lord speaks, then you have a heart that says, I want to, I'm trusting you. I really believe, I'm trusting you that what you're saying to me is your will. And then what do you do? You obey. Honestly, once Abraham heard, he believed and he obeyed. He heard, he believed, and he obeyed. Isn't this a beautiful picture of Christianity? True Christianity. 
When we come to Jesus, the life of faith begins with a willingness to leave our error and past life, which surely involves our own place of unbelief and sin, along with the system of this world that supports and encourages sinful living. And we say to Christ, Lord, I don't know where... I don't know where following you will take me, but I'm saying see ya (laughs) to my old life and hola to this new life found in Christ. For after all, I am a new creation in Christ. The old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. Now, what does all of this mean? Well, Romans 12, 2 commands us not to be conformed to this what? This world. And what is worldliness? Well, it's not so much what I do as what I want to do. If given the chance, what does my flesh truly want to do? And that's sin. But I must remember I'm not to love the world. For if I love the world, the love of God is not in me. Friends, you can't love the world and love God at the same time. And so I am to be transformed by the renewing of my mind that I may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And what is God's will? To be holy. And the root word for holy is separation. I am to be set apart to God and be willing to go where Jesus is, which is outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Friends, the pilgrimage of faith begins by saying no to the old life and saying yes to Jesus and our new walk of obedience with him. And I trust you have taken this step of faith. It's the greatest and most needful step you could ever take. Friends, faith obeys. We sing that little chorus, obedience is the very best way to show that you what? That you believe. What is God asking you to do right now? Are you hearing him? Are you believing him? You will then obey him. Which brings us to number two, our second point. <clears throat> Not only does faith obey, but it sojourns. Friends, faith is always ready and willing to patiently wait for its future reward. We call it delayed expect what? Expectations. And so we read in verse 9, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles or in what? Tents. Now please understand dwelling in tents was the way of nomads and travelers. And who wants to continually live in a tent? How many like to go camping in a tent? In a tent, okay. 
Brother Roger, would you like to live in that tent, though, for the rest of your life? You're good for three days. How many are good for four days? (laughs) We have a week here. (laughs) All right, brother. (laughs) Would you like to live the rest of your life in a tent? In a tent? Yes, sir. (laughs) Come along. I mean, answer the question, okay? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, and I'm in a tent too, brother, so I understand what you're saying. But we, we like more, I mean, let me just put it this way. I like more than a tent Amen. to live in. Amen. Uh, but this was what Abraham's life, a nomadic life, Along with his son and grandson, his son was Isaac, his grandson was Jacob, it says right here in the text. This is what they all experienced, tent living. And yes, these patriarchs were in the land God had promised them. A land flowing with milk and honey, but during their lives, think about this, God gave them no inheritance, not even a foot of ground, except for a cave and a field near Hebron, which Abraham bought for a burial place for his wife, Sarah. The only land Abraham actually owned was a cemetery of cemetery plot for his wife, Sarah. So yes, Abraham was in the land of promise, but he lived there as a stranger, as a foreigner. He sojourned there. What author uses the word dissonance? to describe Abraham's post-Ur experience, which means he never truly fit in. For he was a monotheist, monotheist, while his neighbors were polytheistic pagans. His standard of morality was rooted in the character of God, while his neighbors' morals and ethics came from the gods they themselves created. And they were created in their own sinful image. And so consequently, Abraham's worldview brought him repeated collisions with those around him. He lived in a conscience dissonance with his culture, or with this culture. Now the parallels between Abraham's experience several thousand years ago And that of the Christian today are quite obvious. As strangers and pilgrims, we too are sojourning in a world that is diametrically opposed to everything righteous and holy. And you living out here know that firsthand. Maybe some of you remember the Grammy Awards this year. 
I don't watch though that stuff, but the 2023 Grammy Awards featured a caricature of Satan played by a transgender with dancers worshiping him. CBS even tweeted before the ceremony began, we're ready to worship. I say what a clear evidence of the depraved and sick world in which we live. Such a lifestyle obviously is totally and diametrically opposed to the believers seeking to follow Christ. No wonder Jesus said in the world, the godly, the godly will have tribulation. Now, naturally, we don't always want to feel like an outsider. Our human nature wants to belong. It wants to fit in. It wants to be accepted. It wants to settle down. But friends, Abraham's faith went out, and Abraham's faith camped out. And except for a couple of detours in Egypt and Gear. Abraham was a happy and obedient camper. And why? Because of his ultimate faith perspective, which we see in verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Literally, the Greek says here, For he looked for the city which had the foundations. The truth here is Abraham was looking for the only city with enduring eternal foundations. The only city that is eternal in its lasting value. And this city is totally designed by a builder and a maker named God. And the word in the Greek for builder signifies the one who does the actual work. This city designed by God is built by God. Remember Jesus said, I go to prepare a what? Place for you. I go and I prepare a place for you. Which tells me there is nothing inferior about the place God has has designed and is building for us. Listen, uh, I think we have time here. Listen to Revelation 21, verses 1. Let me begin. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor cry, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. 
verse 23, Revelation 21, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory or the righteousness of God did lighten it, did illuminate it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And this divine city was intrinsically special to Abraham because he knew that he would see God there. But he, would also, but he also would leave his dissonant life living behind and live in harmony with countless other believers. Now think about the, the goodwill, the rapport, the harmony, the sweet, peace-filled communion you sense being with the body of Christ, being in a church like Faith Baptist Tabernacle, going to a retreat at camp. I mean, I enjoyed last night. What, what sweet fellowship we had. Well, multiply that unity by infinity. Friends, no more dissonance. No more being out of chord. No more disharmony. There will be no more camping, no more tents, no more alienation, no more pilgrim life for God's children. No longer will we have to sing, this world is not my home, I'm what? Just passing through. And so the lesson here is, <clears throat> like Abraham, we too need to be heavenly minded. You know, there's a saying, you're too, you can be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I think our problem is we aren't heavenly minded enough. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you thought even today, I might go to heaven today? Is that a possibility or not? Amen? Well, that should be what we think about. That today maybe is the day. But we too, and when you have that heart, when you have that faith, then what it enables you to set your affection on things above and not on things of this earth. We too need to be faithfully and patiently, we need to continue God's work even when it gets tough, even if it needs tent living now, we need to be salt and light now. We need to go against the flow now, against the groupthink of this world now. And we will do so when we realize this is just temporary. It's just temporary. One day... Together and forever, we will leave this present evil world behind and be with our Savior. Yeah. And friends, that day is soon. Yes. It's soon.
Again, looking unto Jesus, keeping our eyes on the prize, looking forward to that city whose builder and maker is God, will enable us to run now with endurance. It will keep us running now. Even if it means to suffer being out of step with the world as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so, as I conclude, let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day, just one glimpse of Him in glory. Will the what? Toils of life repay. Remember, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more and exceeding what? Eternal weight of glory. Now, this coming to Jerusalem is called many things in the scripture, but perhaps its most encouraging name is found in Ezekiel 48, verse 35. The Lord is there. Think about that. The Lord is there. Let us, like Abraham, like Moses, like each of these heroes of the faith, endure as seeing him who is invisible. And then our faith, like Abraham's, will be marked by obedience to God's plan and a willingness to faithfully sojourn in a world that, world for we too will forever dwell in the city described as the Lord is there. And where he lives is truly heaven. Friends, that is what we can look forward to. Again, what kept Abraham's faith going? He believed without a doubt that he would one day exchange his nomadic tent for the glorious and permanent splendor of his eternal home that would far exceed any Burj Khalifa's brilliance and grandeur, for that is where God dwells with men and where we shall be his people and God himself shall be with us and be our God. No more dissonance. I get tired of dissonance. I get tired of being out of step. But Jesus was out of step. This world isn't our home. But let's be faithful. Praise God for your faithfulness. Praise God for your faith that obeys and a faith that's willing to sojourn. I say, might we too live such a life of faith, for such a life of faith pleases God. And such a life of faith gives you the title, friend of what? Of God. How many of you want to be called a friend of God? (laughs) Believe God. And be willing to sojourn for God. Amen? Amen. Why don't you close us in prayer?